Are you ready? It's that time! Ladies and gentlemen, maybe, welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of Man, Buns, and Jesus. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Pastor Ben Olschlager, here in, in the great state of Michigan. With me today is Pastor Josh Laborious in the not-so-great state of California. <laughs> and joining us today as we dive into uh, Corinthians for the first time is the esteemed Father Ted, a.k.a. Pastor Bill Reedy, uh, former admissions director for the seminary. Now I like how the AKA is his actual name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a thing. Um, <laughs> and now he is the uh, the equivalent of a uh, a pastor slash bum. Uh, <laughs> Wow. Calm down, Ben. (laughs) Filling in, uh, getting people in ship shape or trying to. um, And we are are so excited to have him on today. Why are we excited to have him on today, Josh? Uh, Because he's a gem of a human being, Benjamin. We don't need any other reason (laughs) than that, sir. I go for insult. He goes for flattery. We'll see which (laughs) one of those works better at the end. Well, I'm I'm hoping he's gonna buy me drinks or something at best practices. So. Oh, you might hope. <laughs> you might no, hope. No, he'll give me the inside scoop on what's going on though. On, he doesn't uh, have a seminary credit card anymore. This is uh... <laughs> <laughs> little. Do you know he kept one? <laughs> um, no. So uh, we asked we asked Father Ted Padre to come on because we're talking about First Corinthians one uh verses 10 through 17 and i think it's i'm going to read the verses so we kind of all we're all on the same page of kind of what we're talking about here and this is paul writing he says i appeal to you brothers by the name of our lord jesus christ that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment for it's been reported to me by chloe's people that there is quarreling among you my brothers What I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you are baptized in my name. I did baptize also the house of Stephanas. Beyond that, I don't know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Um, so that's kind of framing what we're talking about today. And specifically, kind of the title of the section, we're going to be talking about divisions in the church, kind of what that, some of the different forms that takes, and what the, what the way to handle those is. And that's kind of why we asked Father Ted on, because he's an intentional interim minister, which he can tell you a little bit more about, but one of the things he deals with is congregational conflict and situations that are that 
could very easily become conflicted situations. So we thought his insights and, and his wisdom would be really, really good to have in this situation. And also he spent a lot of time in St. Louis, which we, we love our synod and we love our brothers and, and sisters in ministry all over the synod. But there's a lot of division and a lot of it is in St. Louis where the, where the synod is headquartered. So um, we might talk about that, but we all do want jobs at the end of this. So maybe <laughs> we'll think about it. We'll let it marinate. Um, so Padre, if you could just uh, tell us a little bit about the ministry that you do now and, um, and some of the training that you've, you've been through in regards to especially division and conflict. Sure. Um, intentional interim ministry is done intentionally so that we don't have unintentional interim pastors. Uh, we're trying to help congregations that have, maybe they had a long-term pastor, and so they really only know one pastor for the last 40 years, and a thought of anybody coming in and doing even the slightest thing differently uh, is, is difficult. There's other times where decisions were made, not always on the part of the pastor, not always on the part of the people, sometimes both, one or the other. And to come in as uh, an outside view of it, to look at the different systems within a church, um, what's, what's, we spend a lot of time entering, seeing the system, seeing what people are doing, talking about, and then begin to formulate change from within. We don't come in with a recipe that's going to, quote unquote, fix a congregation or a conflict. We come alongside them as somebody that hasn't been here for 40 years, but comes in with some tools to, to help them be equipped for forgiveness, for reconciliation, for dialogue, for enhancing what they're doing now so that there's transparency and accountability. Our training uh, was is done... Right now, it's uh, half of it's done online for about 12 weeks. And then there's an in-person segment where you go and they're very long days, but I, we went from roughly eight o'clock in the morning till eight or nine at night. And each day just clicked right along. It is one of the best things that I've ever attended where they keep it moving. And all of a sudden, uh, somebody that normally would crash in the middle of the afternoon while they have you know coffee bar and everything for us. And then for me, who goes to bed early, it wasn't that bad. It was just like we kept on going and we were involved in dialoguing. Um, this is my second interim and uh, I did one in Albany, New York. And I'm here in Denison, Iowa, which is kind of in the middle of the state on the west side, uh, two hours west of Des Moines, about an hour from Omaha, uh, about an hour or yeah, an hour or so south of Sioux City, Iowa. Yeah. Um, for anyone who didn't pick up that, you know, Father Ted can't stay up late and, and maybe you hear it in his voice, he's an old fart. So if you're just listening, <laughs> I think if you add Ben and my ages together, we're still younger than you. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> the funny part of this whole thing is that uh josh is almost always the youngest person on this podcast and i think we were both in like the five youngest guys in our class okay yeah i think that sounds about right 
Yeah, it, it becomes difficult when you have conversations with people and they, you know, they find out you're 62 years old and uh, they say things like, oh, yeah, that's the same age as my grandparents. <laughs> we get we get the opposite problem. I have so many parishioners and like people from my vicarage church, people from fieldwork in St. Louis. Oh, you remind me so much of my grandson. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Jeez. I don't have too much. I I have a like I, probably half of my congregation. I'm just a little bit older than their kids. Yep. But uh, all of this is totally beside the point. Um, <laughs> oh, we have a point. <laughs> depends how loosely you're willing to define point. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I guess my my question, and maybe we can go around and and say this, but. What do you think is maybe the most often or the most common source of division in an individual congregation? And then what's the most frustrating source of division to you? And that, I guess, could be in the individual congregation or in the synod at large. Um, and if you want to think about that for a minute, Bill, we can throw Ben under the bus and make him answer first. But if you're ready, you can just go for oh, it. Go for it, Ben. <laughs> You're going to have to remind me on that second question because I was already thinking really hard about the first one. Um, so within congregations in general, I think the biggest point of division is usually pride. Um, people like to own their ideas. And if you don't roll with their idea, no matter how mundane that topic might be, um, you're going to run into conflict. My grandma was jokingly telling a story uh, over Christmas. I went up and saw her and my grandfather. And she was telling a story of um, she would get reports from the, the church uh, voters meetings from her husband uh, featuring two guys that could not agree on anything. And that meant that if it was clearly sunny outside, and one of them stated the obvious that it was sunny outside. The other guy would argue that it was raining um, because he could not swallow his pride to say that the other guy was right. Um, and I mean, that, I think that happens on any and every scale from what color should the walls be uh, to um, how do we best serve our neighbors? Um and anywhere in between, um, pride is a, an incredibly difficult thing to 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 swallow and to to overcome. What was the second question, Josh? What's the most frustrating thing churches divide over? Oh, <laughs> that yeah, that's also a good question. Um, I think the to me the most frustrating thing that churches divide over uh, are. Kind of along the same lines, but when decisions are made in self-interest and it causes people to feel ostracized and want to leave. Um, I feel like usually it, it happens in one of two directions. Either there's an old guard that um, wants to preserve everything that they've known and held to be true. And um, even if something that they used to do is completely untenable, they will hold on to that thing for the life You're using of a lot of SAT words today, Ben. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Deal with it. Um, and they they ostracized anyone new coming in 
but it also happens the other way where uh, church leadership will be focused so much on bringing in new folks that they will throw out the baby with the bathwater and just eliminate anything that that smells old-fashioned for the sake of bringing in new people and ostracize anyone that's been there long enough to remember the old so yeah i think exclusionary stuff we're gonna go with another sat word here uh who are you trying to show off to no one i'm just more awake than normal so my brain is actually finding the vocab i had to learn in high school (laughs) and i find that very shocking ben i didn't see this side of you when I was trying to recruit you to come to the seminary. I was sure you, you did. Know, I was you to you know my you a good day. And it, you weren't going to have to take the SAT again or anything. But um, you, know, you saw just, my GRE scores. I scored high. <laughs> I am bound by not to talk <laughs> about this right now. I I'm pretty sure that I outscored Josh on the math section, which I would like to uh... bet. What'd you get? I was in the 99th percentile. So was I. <laughs> well, then I'd have to go back and actually look up my score. <laughs> when I, I did my part for you in that uh, math was not my forte. So I helped populate the other part of the spectrum so that they would have other people on it so that the two of you could be could be listed. But I'm not going to oh, allow this goodness. to become a conflict with me. <laughs> Not gonna divide over a few. <laughs> anyway. So what about what about you, Padre? What do you what division do you think is is seen most and then what is most frustrating to you? The one that I see that I wish uh wish there was something like a, a thermometer you could check this, you know, where if you're cooking something and you don't you don't want it to get too you don't want to overcook, but you want it to be at a safe level. I wish there was a way to put a thermometer in to judge without having to do all the work, uh, know how communication is going on. What I see is the number one uh, or very frequent uh, cause of conflict when the lack of transparency, the lack of accountability is compromised. That can happen because there's uh, a club there's somebody with, there's a group of people within a congregation that are trying to change the direction, but they're not talking about it. They're not dialoguing with other people. They have a hidden agenda and are sometimes rallying other people around it. And then all of a sudden you start feeling that, well, I'm not a part of that group. And I I get uh, looked down upon when I speak at a meeting. And you guys know it because you're younger, and I remember it that you know sometimes you get looked down on because of your youth, and um, I, I get concerned that the conflict in a congregation can start if we'll just we'll use older people, but it can happen with either group. If older people are trying to protect what they see as being the core value of a congregation by not necessarily communicating as well or not being uh, fully transparent with everything from finances to uh, plans or you know, whatever it is. When that starts happening, that's when conflict starts because you lose trust, you lose any sense of being a part of this. Uh, and it leads to a lot of suspicion and uh, people leave, get hurt feelings. And it, I would, 
when I was not a parish pastor, but working at the seminary and was attending meetings at church, it was nice to sit back and watch the dynamics and not have to work with it and see, you know, being able to be an observer instead of being engaged as, as the pastor. Um, and sometimes it's extremely sad when you see that, but that's the one that I would say is uh, there's just not, uh, we're not being open with one another. Uh, one that I put right below that, just to mention it quickly, is that it's really difficult to ask for or offer forgiveness, that sometimes the hurt becomes a reason for division, be, as a reason to transfer to another congregation, to go to another church and another church body. And that's part of that. It's kind of connected. The one that I would say is, is most frustrating, and I hear this because I come in as those new eyes. And when I hear stuff like, oh, oh, pastor, everybody knows that. No, 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 they, they don't. Or, you know, the kind of they all, we've always done it that way. And it can be sometimes the most minor thing. On a positive note, sometimes it's, it's less frustrating that I choose to, and, you know, where I am, Josh, where Ben is, Josh, it's cold. But I still like standing outside unless it's absolutely pouring or um, you know the snow is coming in horizontally. Um, I like to be outside to greet people. It helps me a to learn names. It helps to also uh, just engage with people before you stand up in front of them and lead the service. Um, but I find it frustrating when uh, if somebody were to come after me and if they would say, "Well." Pastor Reedy always greeted everybody outside. It's like, seriously, that is so frustrating because we, it's not like we all came out like uh, the old Play-Doh uh, factories where you cram the Play-Doh in one side, push down the lever and you get something uniform at the end. We all come into ministry with our um, personalities the same way with members. I think uh, we do a lot of things with trying to assimilate people into a congregation, do gifts inventory and all this stuff. Um, but then how open are we to say, wow, we could do. Uh, so that's where I get frustrated when there's a, a sense of a, the clubbiness to it or um, a stuck in a ritual. Yeah, I think. And I guess I've been blessed because I was I was thinking of all the congregations I've been a part of and none of them, to my knowledge, had significant conflict. Right there, there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of yelling at voters meetings there like um, that's not to say there wasn't conflict, but it wasn't like they weren't calling in reconcilers or anything. But when I think about it, I wonder if one of the most insidious divisions in churches and i bet you can find this at almost any church is a division between like the real members <laughs> and not like and and let me explain what i sit when i say that i mean like do the people who are in church every sunday look down on people who only maybe make it a few times a month and do I think you should be in church every Sunday? Yeah, you should be in church every Sunday. But I'm also like, I recognize that life happens. You know, and, and you should not be looked down on because you missed a Sunday. 
or whatever the the whatever the righteousness is at the church so um being involved in certain groups or serving in certain ways like i wonder if that isn't maybe a more subtle division but where people are like well i'm in church every sunday that person isn't um so don't do that but the the and this is really reductive of me but the most frustrating one for me to see is the stupid division over worship styles everybody get over it right like just calm down there are bigger things to deal with stop it everybody stop it my favorite point to make whenever that comes up is give me 20 years from now and find all of the organists in the in the united states we're not going to have enough to cover all of our churches so guess what instrument is going to be prevalent enough to lead our worship? The theremin. Oh, what a what a person! I pulled out my guitar for any of our audio listeners here. Oh, he did <laughs> that one guy at college who ruins everything? I enjoyed that. <laughs> discussion when worship becomes the divider is uh especially if you know people are pipe organ only which are uh i learned to play the pipe organ in college and it was a great thing i was how never did i not that. know you could play the pipe organ because i don't play it well enough to do it beyond my own uh enjoyment i played for churches with a lot of practice but uh the thing is, is that, you know, when they, when people equate organ accompaniment with being biblical or something, and that any other instruments are a violation and an abomination in the eyes of God. Well, um, I guess, you know, I haven't seen, I haven't asked here yet if we have people that play the timbrel, or uh, maybe we need, you know, tambourine is in the Bible and zither. And, a liar. You know, yep, a liar. And Don't forget so, about the horn. I find the instrumentation bit to be, because I've been at, uh, because I would do pulpit supply around, I was at churches that the entire service was, the music portion was off of, off of DVDs or um, MP3 players, whatever they use. Um and it was like, wow, you know, they're doing something because they don't have those musicians. They don't have, uh, because there's not that many people that um, have learned to play. And even a keyboard, you know, there's some people that can, there's some people that can't, but you can program them. So yeah, when I get, it, those are the things that, uh, yeah, we get divided on some weird stuff. Yeah, well, and that happens in both congregations and like, the synodical level still argues about stuff like that but then also you'll get like the people in the traditional service will judge the people in the contemporary service or vice versa and it's like guys it's calm down. both because i've been a pastor for 22 years but also i'm getting closer to being a consumer of pastoral care in retirement and in my dotage um that i uh that's another uh good word dotage that um you know, my hope is, is that uh, my pastor will pray the Lord's Prayer with me, will um, know enough music that if we sing during a visit or something, that we can do that. But also I think about, uh, you know, what, what, what do guys need to bring to the table now as a pastor? And 
how do we do that? I think it's still the most marvelous thing that if we have opportunities through our field work, through our um, vicarage and other things to get as much exposure as we can. On my vicarage, my uh, pastor actually, uh, usually it was once a month, he would send me to other churches to see what, because he had been in that circuit forever, he knew churches that he wanted me to visit just so I didn't think that the way we did it at Christ Lutheran Church for the Deaf in Silver Spring, Maryland was the only way to do anything. That was helpful for me. And to see these wonderful Christians gathered and none of them were the same. Yeah, I, I've always, Bierman had this suggestion when he got one on one of his rants about worship. He's like, I think if we were doing this right, worship would look a little bit different every Sunday. Yeah, one Sunday you do high church, maybe the next week you have an acoustic guitar and you sit around a campfire or something. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's an idea. And drawing that into the, the you know whole topic of conflict is that sometimes the you know when these become the battle lines, when there's something different or whatever, um, it's cheap shots. Oh, that's this, that, or the other thing. That's what this person does or that. It's like, do you really know? I, 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 when it comes to conflict, one of the things that I find extremely frustrating is when people think they can say something with no proof. Um, it's, we, we don't treat each other very well at all when you have people that are um, making claims against somebody and it's just, it's all hearsay. It's gossip. It's a violation of the eighth commandment because they're not looking to see about putting the best construction on everything. That hurts. That hurts when you can just do what we used to do on the playground. You can say, you know, things about somebody and it doesn't uh, have to be substantiated. And that doesn't work real well in the church. Yeah. Which I think plays into maybe where the conversation should go next. And that's how do you avoid it? Right. How do you keep yourself from from these divisions? And frankly, how, like, how do you keep yourself from these silly arguments that that people have that Paul here is saying in like circle back to our text? He is saying it is sinful. He is saying that it is not right for us to be divided. So how do we avoid it? Because I'm new where I go, I tend to wear a name tag. And so, you know, I'm not a polis, you know. It's right there. That's my name. And um, it's all, when we're when I'm having a discussion with somebody and they say, well, pastor so-and-so did it. Like, well, nope, I'm not him. Um, <laughs> Let me think, check quick. But I just think that, um, yeah, it's, it's people can be can be harsh and we don't always listen real well to other people. I don't know if this is in the in line of what you're thinking, but I try to work with whether it's the at a meeting and whoever's chairing that specific meeting or a voters meeting. I'm always concerned about the people that are either too afraid to speak or too intimidated to speak too. Um, they're not in the right group to be speaking and, to, um, you know, let's let's continue to honor and listen to everybody a tool that I've seen other people use is to even get to the point of, especially if it's a bigger decision, pausing, praying about what it is that you're voting on 
and then restate it, not just the way it's written in a, in a formal motion, but what does this mean? What are the ramifications? What are all of this? And does anybody want to speak to uh, something that we haven't heard yet? Not to beat a horse to, you know, so that we continue to drive, but let's try to draw out to give people that comfort, that safe place where they can speak freely without judgment. That's hard. And I, that's not just a church thing. That's in other organizations and the world in general. But uh, how can we facilitate it better in a church? So I don't know if I strayed too far from your point, Josh. No, I, I think that's that's where we need to be. Like you, you make sure that you're not rushing through things and that you're listening, especially when it comes to divisions over decisions. And I think a part of that that you kind of touch on is to act like be in relationship with one another like I f it's it's a lot harder to be divided from your friends like even if you disagree with them um so i wonder if we don't if we put a higher priority on like building relationships with each other in churches and building our communities a lot of the division like disagreements will still be there but i i feel like they won't evolve devolve into divisions if we can if we spend more time listening to each other and spend more time just being in relationship with each other. And not saying to take a Bible study time or whatever, but if we did just say on a Saturday morning, if there's something that, whether it's a building project or um, uh, a renovation or a new program or something, what if we got together in a less formal environment, a non-decision-making group, encouraging everybody to come together and talk through this, especially if it's something that's really hard to get your head around. Like we're going to commit $8 million to doing a new building project and all this to have that, uh, those informational town hall type meetings so that there can be discussions and more buy-in before you get to the point where a motion is on the floor and we have to do this. Um, haven't done it much, but I, I find it very helpful to have those discussions outside of a meeting, outside of parliamentary procedure, just to help communication. I try to have as many conversations as possible outside of parliamentary procedure. Either of you have those $8 million lying around, we could use it. <laughs> uh, talk to me on Friday after the Mega Millions drawing, and I'll let you know. Okay, sounds good. You know what, actually just, just you'll know because if I win that lottery, I'll just I'll Venmo you the eight million dollars. <laughs> I'll let you uh, I'll let you work with our our finance uh, director if that happens. Uh, oh no 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 no! I'm I'm just gonna give you eight million dollars. Okay. Part of part of uh, my strategy, if if I ever win the lottery, is essentially. I'm going to just give so much of the money away that when people come and ask me for money, I can genuinely say, sorry, I already gave it all away. <sighs> and what you're talking about, uh, what we're talking about is uh, whether or not you, they said it to you when you were at the SEM, but we were encouraged to be hope mongers. I find that if, if individuals start being able to embrace hope, whether it's working through a conflict or a time of financial difficulty in the church or whatever it is, that if, um, and I think about this with people that are in 
physical rehab. They're, they have to do something so they can get out of rehab and return home and gain independence. To a person, what keeps them going to physical therapy or occupational therapy or whatever it is every day is that they have a goal that you know the, the doctors have written down and said, this is where you can be. But it means you're going to have to uh, do these activities. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to be committed to it. You can't just have hope thinking that we come to enough meetings or go to enough of this or give enough money. You have to have that unified goal. And if we're to the point of being able to say, we have hope because we have this common drive. Um, and my other, not quite as eloquent as hope mongers, but the opposite for me is uh, when you have the joy suckers, that you can have a whole <laughs> bunch of people that are just, they really do get hope. They're motivated. They're not denying all the challenges, but they're unified and trying to work on it. Sometimes a person can walk into a room and you just feel the joy just get sucked right out with them because they are that kind of person that comes in and- uh, They just suck. They do. And it's just like, the joy just left the room. And that I find, that's just sad. Yeah. Um, you you got to feel for them though, because like you have to, if you have someone like that, you have to deal with them for whatever context you know them in. They got to live like that. Do you ever see any of the old uh, Saturday Night Live uh, episodes with Debbie Downer? How old do you think we are? Well, it's because... I've seen clips on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, these were even in color, uh, and they had some. <laughs> um, but you know, Debbie Downer was one of these people who could find everything, and uh, she's not the same as a joy sucker because she's yeah she. But it's just one of those things where there's some people that I think are hardwired. They're given to negativity. They don't find that, and uh, yeah, it's just. Yeah, you're old enough to go back and find Debbie Downer. I'll send you a link if you need it. No, we're young enough to go and find Debbie Downer because we are masters of the internet. There you go. I hope you're a master of the internet and the internet's not your master. That would, That's hopeful because any AI that they have ever said, learn from the internet how to be a, a person ends up like really a bad person. So... Uh, but picking up again on the passage from First Corinthians, if you, I did the baptism, I didn't baptize Jesus this last week, but I preached on the baptism of Jesus. And isn't that an amazing, for me, it's such a conflict resolution moment. When you look out over the congregation, it's easy because I don't know everybody yet. But if you look out and say, our common denominators were baptized, we're all wet, we are. We are all washed. And when you bring it down to that common denominator, that's a better place to start than to um, look at, you know, what ticks you off about people. But look at the fact that, you know, we look in, a, in the mirror every morning, but when we look around, we're seeing other people that are baptized. They're Christians. And uh, that's a much better approach than looking at them automatically as the enemy. Yeah. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to my context a little bit because it's not safe to assume everyone's baptized. Okay. Um, 
definitely not out in the world. Mostly, I guess you could assume that in the church, but if you need, if you're trying to avoid division, you, you don't even have to look as you can look even more fundamentally and say that's someone Jesus loves. And I think you can you can apply that more societally speaking, like you see things on the news or you see people doing things that you're just that take you off or would be a source of division. You can look at that person and say Jesus loves that person. Mm -hmm. Jesus loved that person enough to die for them. I can at least be loving toward them. I can at least be civil toward them. So, yep. yeah, look for that common denominator. Um, I think do we want to go ahead? Ben. I was going to say another common denominator, just to throw one out there. Um, Man buns. Well, Padre. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little too smooth up there. Um, there's not enough there to make a bun, even if it all grew. <laughs> For anyone who's just listening, uh, Father Ted does not have a man bun. Um, even if you gathered all the hair on his head into one spot, it probably still wouldn't be a man bun. So he keeps it high and tight. Anyway, um, one of the things that I kind of encountered walking into this congregation, um, they were not necessarily actively a church in conflict when i got here but they were certainly a church bearing the scars of conflict um and so one of the things that i keep like stopping myself and saying is like we're all broken we are all in need of something we can't just assume that everyone's going to act perfectly the way we want them to. And so if we come into a, a conversation, if we come into um, a, especially when we do like these monumental kind of direction shifts in churches, we can't assume that things are always going to go smoothly. Um, coming in here, a lot of my early messages were around like loving people because people bearing fresh scars are an easy reminder that there's a lot of brokenness in the world. We need to come together as a community first. Um, and then from there we can be the hands and feet of Christ. Um, but if we're not willing to accept that everyone around us is probably, or we are broken and everyone around us is probably just as broken as we are. Um, we're not going to get anywhere fast. Spitting facts over there, Ben. You Shall we move to takeaways? Yeah, we can do that. So how we close each episode here at Man Buns and Jesus, Father Ted, and anyone who hasn't listened to episodes before. Is um, that we don't pick... warn our guests that we're going to ask them for one takeaway at the end of the episode. And then well, we, we ask, ask for just for like one, one sentence, if <laughs> like a bullet point, someone just finished listening to this podcast, what do they need to know? What do they need to carry with them going forward? Josh, you want to go yeah. first? I'll go first. Um, be, be in relationship with people. Like prioritize making friends at church and hopefully... If you do that enough, hopefully you'll never have to really deal with serious divisions at your church. Father Ted? 
I'm censoring. I'm censoring. <laughs> well, when I was recruiting, I would tell some guys that uh, um, just don't be a jerk. Uh, that was episode one. Oh, it was? Because <laughs> um, there was guys that came in a little bit too self-confident, self-assured. And it fits in with what Josh was talking about that, you know, People are people. People are individuals. Jesus healed the blind man of his blindness, the deaf man of his deafness. He didn't come in and say, well, I'm going to give you, he focused, he was focused on what the people were. And if we can, I wish if this was something we could teach, I don't know, but if we just, if we allowed ourselves more time, sometimes we're such, uh, um, we're so wanting to get something moving forward. Would it help if we hit the brakes or people say pump the brakes, pump the brakes, just uh, now you have anti-skid, which maybe that's what our faith and our life together needs to have is um, ability to keep us from ramming into each other and causing that conflict, causing division, but to, to step back enough to remove ourselves from things enough that it's not about me and my position, but what are we doing? And I'm going to find one way to hammer this in one way or another, but I still am amazed at first Kings, uh, first Kings three, when Solomon had, uh, he was working with the two prostitutes over one baby. And I think sometimes if we looked at it, that if there's a conflict, we'll just say in a school, what are we doing to support our students and our teachers? Yes, we have to pay the bills and stuff, but I think sometimes we're so looking at things in a, in a different way that let's look at the child. Let's look at this. How can we cause success, hope, joy in the ministry without taking a, a sword and cutting it in half and the whole thing dies? So there's a bunch in there, but I would say uh, to always keep focused on our mission, the gospel, da, 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 but for the unity in the body of Christ, that we would give honor and glory to his name and put things aside that get in the way of that. Were you right, ben, give us some wisdom to close Father this out. Ted, were you going to be, were you going to say something along the lines of don't be a smart? Uh, is that where you were censoring yourself? D-B-A-D. Well, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. You know, it's like, because <laughs> I was going to go uh, to an ordination and lay my hands and tell them, you know, don't be a jerk. First reading 312. <laughs> I want a sign with that engraved on it to put in my office forever. Citation and everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to go with, don't get bogged down in the details. Um, we, when we started with the, uh, both the things that most often cause conflict and the things that frustrate us that cause conflict like almost always the the devil is in the details um people fight over the smallest things because they think it's going to radically change the world um it won't your church community will largely still be your church community and if somebody is bringing something forward to your church in efforts to improve your ability to spread the gospel to uh, be in community to to serve your neighbor um to love god 
give them the benefit of the doubt um, and approach it with hope. There you go. So if you have heard this podcast, if you've listened through, uh, first of all, congratulations for making it through another episode of Man Buns Jesus. <laughs> But also, uh, we'd encourage you to share this with share this with your friends, um, especially maybe those who are in positions of leadership in their churches, whether that's um, that's so distracting, whether that's like a pastor or something who who could maybe benefit from this um, or if someone is on some board or some leadership, you know, maybe this will be helpful for them. Feel free to share it. Uh, and time for the other shameless plugs, subscribe to our podcast on whatever you listen to podcasts on. We're on Spotify, we're on Pandora, we're on iHeartRadio, we're on, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of the main ones. And, uh, I'm finding out even some of the non-main ones, cause I get like random emails to claim our podcast on like pod- podcast platforms I've never heard of. And I'm like, I'm not going to go through the effort. You're, you're already like putting my podcast out there. I, I don't care at this point um so subscribe to us because it makes us feel good and justifies the time we spend on this and we do have a facebook page you can like it if you want we don't care about that one nearly as much um but if you want to come on as a guest or you have a topic you would like us to tackle uh and you don't know us personally the facebook page is a way that you can get in touch with us and and reach out to us personally so and they're inclusive they're inclusive of non-bunners (laughs) <laughs> people without man oh buns. non yeah. man buns i right i was like are you saying if you don't have never mind never mind we're we're gonna move forward uh i'm pretty sure sisters. you're not the most follically challenged uh guest we've ever had father oh, i bet yeah yeah we're not gonna throw anyone under that bus today <laughs> brothers and sisters go in peace serve the lord thanks be to god